Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hey, thanks for joining us and a big welcome to each of you, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. We're glad you're with us. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and today I called an audible. Tim Cockrell. Uh, Tim, it's good to have you with us. You weren't originally scheduled to be with us today, but I thought, you know what, we're going to be discussing that initial sermon from our new short sermon series, Understanding the Will of God. And I thought it was probably pretty good to get you in here to respond to what I think might be some, some questions coming from the congregation. Absolutely. I'm thankful for the opportunity because already we've had some really healthy conversations, maybe even some clarifications that I think give us an opportunity to explore this further. Well, I got to thinking about this here over the weekend after Sunday's sermon, and and again, you weren't originally scheduled, but I thought it was pretty obvious. You're likely the best person to discuss, especially this opening treatment of what is always, in any church I've been Mm -hmm. in, an interesting topic. So let's start with some of the dinner table discussions. I'm guessing that there was some roast preacher served Mm -hmm. this past weekend. (laughs) Let's see what we've got. So uh, let's start with this. Tim, in light of what you said... On, in Sunday's sermon, why would it be wrong for me to pray for the best spouse, uh, the best educational institution, the best home where I'm going to live, or, or anything else that God could give me? I read in the Bible that God calls his people to pray specifically for what we desire and need. What gives here? Yeah, so there's a number of different elements there. Let's maybe start with that question of best. That I think many times what happens, and I alluded to this on Sunday, is we begin to obsess about these non-moral decisions. That we think the most important thing is where I live or what house I buy or what job I take or even whom I marry. And I'm reminded of what Jesus says, and that is that we should seek first the kingdom. And then all these other things that that might occupy our thinking or even our, our worries, they'll be taken care of by God's goodness and his grace. And yes, absolutely, Scripture tells us that we ought to ask and seek and knock. But I think it bears the question, what is it that we're asking? What is it that we are seeking? Because if what we're seeking is, I want the best job so that my life is fulfilled and flourishing. I want the best spouse so that I don't ever have any marital difficulty. Well, we're starting off with a faulty goal there. And a number of, I would argue, faulty assumptions that if I get the highest paying job, that's the best job. When in reality, that may keep me away from my family because I'm working 60 or 70 hours a week. If I choose the best spouse, she may very very well challenge my thinking or expose the selfishness in my heart that doesn't feel good but is good from God's perspective. And I love what Psalm 37 verse 4 says. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Many times what people have assumed that text means is if you just give God what he wants, then he'll give you what you want. It ends up being kind of a transactional idea. But my interpretation of that particular verse is as we delight ourselves in the Lord, as we find our satisfaction and significance in him, our desires begin to be transformed. We begin to desire more of him. We desire to be faithful in using our gifts. And so I don't think it's wrong at all to ask God for things that we desire or things that we need, but that we rest in the fact that if God doesn't give us those things, they weren't things that we needed. 
And if God doesn't fulfill those desires, it may be that what his goal is, is to reshape our desires rather than to lead us to this one specific secret plan that we need to walk in. Okay, so let me share this or try this technique on you that I've learned in 33 decades of being married. What I hear you saying, Tim, (laughs) is that it's good to ask for God's best, recognizing that his best doesn't mean necessarily a painless life or a uh, everything runs exactly the way I want it to, but that, as you said, God would give you the desires of your heart. That's predicated on our heart being in line with God and recognizing that difficulties may come, and, but that is all a part of what God uses, pain, suffering even, to develop us into who he wants us to be. Absolutely. Because I know in my own life, I often have a skewed idea of what best is. You know, I think the best life is one that doesn't have pain. You know, the best parenting situations are the ones where there isn't any conflict or any discipline that's required. But also, as I think about in my life, some of the most formative moments have been in circumstances I would not have chosen, but that God brought me in certain seasons to deepen my dependence, to expose the idolatry of my heart. And so, yeah, we just have to redefine what we mean by best. So getting down to the brass tacks, okay, there's a young man or a young woman, and this is the, you know, this is what we often point to. Mm-hmm. God, whom should I marry? That's not a bad question to ask. No. And it's not a bad prayer to pray, God, direct me to one whom will help me serve you in the best way possible and with whom I can share life's joys and trials, and he or she will help me to be who you want me to be. Yes, that's absolutely a a good thing to pray. And I think the one thing I would want to clarify in that, and let me just say, preface this by saying one of the challenges of Sunday's message was it was part one of four. (laughs) And so... I recognize that even a number of the questions that that I received and the conversations I had indicated what we really need is part two and and part three and and part four to help round out some of this because we kind of said these are some potential errors, but we haven't laid that foundation, which is what we hope to do this coming week. But it is a good thing to ask God, guide me to a godly spouse. Where I think we run into trouble is this idea that there is the one. And out of all this world, there's some needle in a haystack that if I don't pick that one individual that that God really has been trying to hint and clue me toward, well, then I've just completely blown it. And I'm going to have to settle for plan B spouse for the rest of my life. What we're going to talk about this week specifically is that God has a sovereign will, that what he has planned will come to pass. He also has a moral will that provides the boundaries, the parameters by which we can make our decisions. But within his moral will, there is freedom to make decisions according to biblical wisdom. And so what that means is I can look for a spouse that is honoring the Lord, that is desiring to follow him, and that I'm attracted to, and that if it falls within God's moral will, then I can make a decision without feeling fearful or fretful that, but what if this isn't the one? What if somebody who's just a little bit better comes along? It it frees us to make decisions without fear. In business, we call that paralysis by analysis. You got it. And we don't do anything. Very good. Okay, question number two over the dinner table (laughs) and the roast preacher. Are you suggesting here, Tim, that God never instructs his people towards a specific answer in terms of of decisions that might be 
might not be clearly laid out in Scripture. After all, if he did it for Isaac, why wouldn't he do it for me? Yep, great question. And again, there's a number of assumptions built into this question. First of all, I would never say that God can't ever do anything. I'm not in the business of telling God what he can and cannot do. But I think there's a couple of things we have to ask. If God were to direct you in those ways, how would you know it was him? How would you know it wasn't just the selfish desires of your heart or a sinful temptation of Satan? You know, there are any number of times in Scripture where people were presented with certain opportunities. I mean, Jesus in the wilderness is a good example. Satan says, why don't you just turn this, these stones into bread? It would have been nothing sinful, you know, ostensibly about turning stones into bread. But Jesus knew that wasn't fitting with his mission. And so he had to say, no, I'm not going to do that. And so I think we just have to acknowledge, yes, God can. And he has at times and points in history given specific guidance. But you need some type of a grid to be able to evaluate, how do I know that it would be the Lord? I think another thing that we have to kind of test, and this is where I think it's really interesting as we have these conversations. If you were to talk to most people at Grace, at Grace Baptist Church you would, and ask them the question, do you believe God is still continuing to give special revelation today? They would say, well, no, I believe that scripture is sufficient and therefore we don't need special revelation. But often when we talk about how God would, would give specific guidance, what we're really talking about is special revelation, that he is giving a specific disclosure to us individually. And I think we have to recognize, as I mentioned on Sunday, even for the apostles, this was very rare. It was not something that commonly happened. And so for us to expect it as a normal part of our experience, I don't even think fits with the pattern of Scripture. Interesting. Okay, great. Good response. And let's uh, hit item number three. So if we are supposed to be walking in the Spirit every day, mm-hmm. why wouldn't the indwelling Spirit of the, of the living God guide us in specific ways in all that we do? So again, we've got to talk about our language here. I do believe that God's going to guide us. The question is, how is he going to do that? Is he going to give us an inner impression? Is he going to give us some coincidental circumstance that is supposed to be the the kind of road sign that tells us where to go? Is he going to open a door that then is unequivocally God's will for us? Or is he going to guide us through the biblical principles that he's provided us, the authorities he's placed over us, the Christian community he's placed us in, and our desires as well. The desires are not to be discounted. That's one of the questions that I've received a couple times is, are you saying that, that these feelings you know, should just be completely ignored? No, not by any means. But a feeling is just a feeling. Mm-hmm. It is not God's guidance. Not necessarily God's guidance, I should say. And so what we have to do is think, that when we are being led by the Spirit, it's going to be through these means of grace. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in the third message more explicitly. But I think many times when people talk about the guidance of the Spirit, what they're really talking about is wisdom. How do I take these biblical principles and put them into practice in the specific choices that I make every day? And that's something we should expect. But if we're expecting that we're praying for God's guidance and then looking for a feeling or an impression or something like that, 
that's when I think it becomes a little more dangerous. Well, and the, that's when times I know we'll get to this, I'm, or I'm guessing we're going to get to this in the sermon series, and that is the whole idea of community uh, at faithful advisors, godly, wise advisors mm-hmm. who help us to discern the will of God. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other thing I was thinking here, Tim, uh, really about midway through the sermon, I was following you, but I was thinking of some other things mm-hmm. as well, and that was the idea that there is so much in Scripture that we know for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking here there's a couple times in 1 Thessalonians where Paul tells yep. the people, he says, this is God's will for you, colon. And then he says, mm-hmm. in the context of what he's sharing, that mm-hmm. especially chapter 4, he says you know, that you remain free of sexual immorality. Yes. Well, there's some things that we know for sure. We spend so much time trying to discern things that maybe we don't need to know or god hasn't god may not make absolutely clear like the constellations in the sky but we ought to double down on what we really do know god is saying absolutely you know there was an author i'm not sure who it was that said it but that if we walk in the moral will of god day to day then we will we will walk in his specific will because we are, are living in a way that honors him and and that's one of the things that i think is key for us in this series is to just think where is my focus why is it so important to me that I want to know, you know, the specific will for what God has in the future? In my life, many times it comes down to a desire for control. And at times, you know, a certain amount of fear that I want to make the perfect decision because I want the perfect life. I want the perfect outcome. And, and instead of really just walking by faith and acting on what I know and trusting God with what I don't know, I'm, I'm waiting more for a level of certainty that God has never promised. I almost hate to share this uh, example, but it came up this morning, and I don't think Kevin Riley would mind my saying this, but we talk about the will of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Kevin could rightly say, was it God's will that I lose my leg mm-hmm. as a result of an accident while I was in the Army? Mm-hmm. And Kevin told me this morning, he said, you know what? So I have to be careful how I say this because different people respond differently to ideas about, you know, God led me through this. Mm-hmm. But he said, I truly believe that be, you know, because of what God has done through the loss of my leg, I am positioned to minister in ways that through the VA, he has a ministry through the VA, mm-hmm. and then, but also uh, just being able to income wise do mm-hmm. some things he he and Tia do they recognize that God is allowing God is sovereign and that leads into another another comment or question I want to just uh, pose to you you know we've talked a lot about or, you know over this past several months Philippians and then even just uh, mm-hmm. last week and jo- Job as Trent led us through that but talked about God's sovereignty talk about that idea of sovereignty in the context of understanding, discerning God's will. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things we're going to try and clarify this week is when Scripture talks about God's will, it has different elements and areas of focus. So sometimes when it talks about God's will, it talks about God's sovereign will. That is, God is ruling over all of creation, and he is personally and intentionally working all things together according to his perfect plan. And so that's why James chapter four will say, you you make your plans, but you ultimately need to say, if the Lord wills, because what's going to happen is dependent upon God's sovereign will. And so that's why someone like Joseph could say what you intended for evil, God meant for good. And so even in Kevin's situation, he can say, you know, what looked like a really bad thing and was a hard thing in that moment, 
God has still been able to orchestrate it and implement it into a plan that is advancing his kingdom, that is growing Kevin in his faith, and is using him for the sake of ministry. And so one of the, as I've been preparing for this message this week, I think there's a few things that that does. One, it cultivates a certain amount of humility for us as we make our plans. You know, the, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 16 will tell us, and James 4 we've already referenced, that Yes, we need to plan, and if we just are, are paralyzed by the uncertainty of things, we're not honoring God by just burying our talents. But we need to have an appropriate level of humility that allows God to steer us in ways that we didn't expect and we don't maybe even agree with. I think it also reassures us when we face situations that we don't understand and that are hard, and that it's okay to ask the why question, but knowing that we may never get the why that we may have to trust that we have a personal and loving God. I read this past week that God's sovereignty is not much comfort unless we truly understand his character. Mm. Because if you don't understand his character, it just feels like fate. You know, that, that it's just this sheer determinism and what's going to be is going to be. Whereas if we understand that a loving Heavenly Father is guiding all the circumstances of our lives according to his good purposes, well, that suddenly brings a great deal of reassurance in the face of a lot of unknowns. But rather than creating a level of passivity, that also ought to propel us to step out in faith. Because we know we're not going to miss God's will, because God's will is going to be done. It's a matter of us being yielded to him in the process. Tim, I think of a, a number of, any number of people here at Grace Baptist Church. We're a unique church. We're, we're loaded with, with giftedness. We've got so much uh, sitting in the pews. And one of our roles as elders is to really engage those, that gifting and those opportunities that people uh, should have to, to minister. But there may be somebody who's sitting out there saying, you know, I came to Grace Baptist Church and I want to be involved. Mm-hmm. I want to use the gifting that God's given. And and by the way, I'm just as good as him, or I'm just as good as her at doing this or mm-hmm. that or the other. And I want to be involved. God, why aren't you using me? Can you talk to that individual mm. and, and kind of counsel that individual? That, that I think we have, we have some of that and I get it. Sure. And yep. I've been there to be very fair and mm-hmm. very honest with you. Absolutely. Well, and there's a number of, possible angles by which to tackle that question. I think one, sometimes God puts us on the sideline, if you will, in order to evaluate our heart motives. Am I okay with sitting under someone else's teaching or do I chafe thinking I think I could do that better? Am I okay with learning from someone who is is very different than me or, or do I feel like I have to be the one up front? I think we also can assume that God will be most glorified in me if I am most busy for him. And we are reminded that Paul had three years that he just disappears. We don't even know what all went on there. And then he ministers for a number of fruitful years. And then he spends probably at least three years in prison. And if Paul were kind of doing a theological calculus here, he would say, God, my gifts could be used far better somewhere else. You're really messing this up, God. But even as we saw in Philippians, he says, God's put me here. And because of that, he's opened doors of opportunity I never would have had otherwise. And so for the person that is saying, yeah, I just don't feel like my gifts are being used well here. One, 
I would ask, are you looking for formal opportunities or are you engaging in the informal opportunities? Because the opportunities to pray and to counsel, to disciple and to serve are there for all of us. It's a question of whether we have eyes to see them or whether what we're really looking for is a position or, or a specific um, upfront up yeah, type of recognition. And, and two, what is our heart posture? Because if there's a level of, of bitterness or pride or things like that, it may be that what God's wanting to do is to refine us by not being in ministry so that then when we do engage with those gifts, we are serving in the right way and for the right reasons. Because uh, this is a battle that I fight all the time, is you can do the right things, but for the wrong reason, and God is not pleased. And I, I know those people who have come and they've said, please put me to work. Mm-hmm. And then they're put to work doing something that they don't feel they're cut out for. And it is difficult, but God is faithful to those who are faithful. Yep. And again, I, I love what you're talking about. Just, hey, what is God teaching me right now? Mm-hmm. And uh, being introspective and asking those questions. Yeah, someone once said, the greatest test of whether you really have a servant's heart is how you react when you begin to be treated like a servant. You know, when you are asked to to just serve without recognition, without, you know, necessarily any fanfare, that that's a test for all of our hearts. And we have those examples here throughout our church. Absolutely. People who have very, very faithfully taken the mop, mm-hmm. sometimes quite literally. Yep. And uh, <laughs> and done what they needed to do because it needed to be done and they were asked. Well, Tim, uh, we've got a, a lot ahead of us. And of course, as you said, this past week, we dealt with things that, okay, this isn't what God's will is not, or mm-hmm. how not to discern God's will. And you even, you shared some uh, some resources. We've got Fries mm-hmm. and Maxon's book, uh, Decision Making and the Will of God. And I will tell you, do I get extra bonus points if I downloaded that from Hoopla and I'm starting to read that? Absolutely. Thank you very much. That's what I was looking for. So uh, this coming week, you, you gave us a little bit of a, of a idea of what's going Going on. Can you lay out again, just like you did at the front of your Absolutely. sermon, where are we heading these next three <clears throat> weeks? Yeah. So this past week, in part, what we were trying to do was was clear away some debris, if you will. Um, take some of the, the thoughts and ideas and assumptions and presuppositions and push them to the side. Sounds like a man who just bought a new house. You know, <laughs> but we're doing that so that then we can make sure we're laying a foundation that is biblically faithful, uh, theologically careful, and and personally practical. And so this week what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the sovereign will of God and the moral will of God and how the sovereign will of God is what is going to happen because he is in control. The moral will of God is what he desires for us, the, the commands that we find in Scripture. And what we're going to discover is within that realm of God's moral will, there's a great deal of freedom. Mm-hmm. And that rather than feeling fearful and anxious, God says, go, like make choices, flourish. Seize the day. And then that third week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some unbiblical methods. This was some material we just didn't have time to get to on Sunday that we maybe are prone to employ. And then we're going to talk about some of the biblical methods and, and resources that we have from God's word to Christian community to even the leading of the Holy Spirit but trying to really define what it is that we're looking for there. And then in that final week, what we're going to do is we're going to try to develop a <clears throat> excuse me, practical paradigm. So when I'm faced with significant decisions, as I'm walking through life, 
What are some of the questions that I ought to be asking? What are some of the steps that I should be taking? And then if we have time, we're going to try to address some of the most common questions that we've received over the course of that series so that we can really answer some of the questions that people are asking. Very good. And Tim, uh, one of the things I wanted to mention, I mentioned to you prior, thank you for including Katie in that. Hmm. That was very instructive and helpful, I think, just to hear both uh, sides of that story of you two, your two coming together, but also recognizing that, uh, hey, Tim Cockrell and Katie Cockrell, just like all of us, are working through this day by day and, and seeking God's will, whether they were, it was when they were 20, 22 years old or whether they're in their 40s, we're all working through this. None of us has it down pat all the time. Absolutely. And so many times when we look back, we can see God's leading more clearly than if we were trying to look ahead. And I just am so thankful for Katie as as a, a partner in ministry and in life. And as uh, as some people say, I, I outkicked my punt coverage in terms of the blessing that Katie is <laughs> for me. Both certainly did. And I think the ladies would probably say the same thing. And one other thing I would want to encourage our listeners, and that is, <clears throat> as you have these questions, and as you're sorting through some of this, I think all of us to an extent, as we hear these admonitions from Scripture, as we hear the, the truth preached, we it's probably good to be reaching out. I've been looking forward to this interaction mm-hmm. as I kind of refine my understanding. But I would encourage you to reach out to one of the elders, somebody else uh, whom you uh, consider a spiritual advisor. Just say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking through this. Help me think through this. It's good to come together in community and to talk through these things and to sort through them. Uh, you may even be one who helps that spiritual advisor to get it honed down a little mm-hmm. more correctly as well. Absolutely. We, we do theology and community, and it's going to refine understanding. It's going to build relationships. Because I've talked to a couple of people that, that are feeling a little unsettled because this is different maybe than what they've always assumed or have been taught. And I think that disequilibrium, that unsettledness, propels us to growth and learning. And as you study God's Word, you may even come to a different conclusion. That, that's okay. But it it needs to flow from God's word and it needs to be through really sound biblical principles rather than just based on what we've assumed or experienced. Well, folks, we've been digging deeper with Tim Cockrell. Tim, thanks for joining us and taking time out of your normally and your regularly scheduled programming to come join us. Happy to. Well, you can access Grace Sermons, including this past Sunday's sermon and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the Media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. And plan to join us next time. We'll be continuing our discussion of God's Word. Next week, as Tim said, he'll be continuing in our series, Understanding the Will of God. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.